podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. Guys, we made it. We are officially past part one of the season and we're getting ready for the World Cup. But first, we need to look back on what has been a fantastic first part of the season and see what was a nicely rounded off weekend to, to kick it all off, I think. So, as always, my name is Rory and I am joined by my good friends, Adam and Andy. I'll never get that right. Adam and Andy, boys, <laughs> here we are. Andy, how are you doing today, man? You good? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, been, Did you uh, manage to keep up with all the all the drama? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's funny. Last night I was um, watching United game and then children for misses, got onto the PlayStation for a bit, and it was about midnight. I looked at Twitter yeah. <laughs> to, to see what had uh, what had been going on with Ronaldo. See all this shit had blown up with Ronaldo stuff, and I was literally. You there. must have known it was all going too well, right? Everything was just yeah. Nice. It can't it be was, that nice for that long. Yeah, I sure we'll go to the finer details in a bit, but uh, yeah, good good feast cart last forever, clearly. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's that's given. I mean, that's given us a discussion point if we didn't already have. A million already. But, yeah, it's just yeah. another one. Throw another one on the pile. And Adam, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Decent weekend. Um, much like Andy, I'm still recovering over Allegri being in the top four of Serie A. Like, <laughs> for weeks we've been bashing the book. <laughs> yeah. As well as Rabio. I did watch the match. And then, yeah, just that shock. I'm still trying to get over it, mate, to be fair. But, um yeah, we'll, we'll explain more as we go along, I'm sure. But more importantly, mate, how are you doing as well? I'm fantastic. I'm genuinely fantastic. <laughs> I had such a good Saturday. It was just so nice. I think, obviously, we're, we're going to get onto it, but Brentford, thank you, Brentford. And then even more, thank you, Arsenal, for not completely bottling it at the first chance. Like I feel like there was a big test and we passed it and I had a really nice Saturday. Uh, the weather is still crazy warm in Milan, which, mm. you know, global warming concerns aside, is nice. Um, so we're getting <laughs> one more decent weekend at Milan. So it's good. It's good. And it was a good weekend of football. I think it kind of feels weird now and it feels really real that the season has finished now yeah. and that the World Cup is actually coming. Um, I think it's the closest I've got to being excited. I don't know about you guys, but it's difficult to get excited about, obviously. But this is the closest I've been to excited about it. How are we feeling, Andy? 
I think you're just a little bit too happy about Arsenal being. <laughs> oh, mate, you've not <laughs> even a, seen it a, yet. Um, We're a, not even talking about them yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a glow in your face. It's like um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to compare it, but it's like it's like someone losing their virginity for the first time or something. Like that. <laughs> it's been a while, man. It's been a while. What can I say? <laughs> Clearly, it's been a while. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 16 years, I suppose. You would be happy after that time, but no, I think uh, yeah, I think. I've started to get like a little bit of um a little bit of a little bit of excitement to it. Mm. Like I am not, you know, absolutely buzzing. Uh it's, it's difficult <laughs> to get buzzing about a work, especially when I looked at the fixtures and realised the first game is against the ride at one o'clock on a Monday. I'm sorry, but that <laughs> be at work. That doesn't I don't yeah, that doesn't um make me in any way <laughs> excited. But uh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure once it kicks off, uh there'll yeah. hopefully be some decent football at mm. least. Fingers crossed. Adam, you excited yet? On the one to ten scale, where are we? Ooh, I'd say about six or seven. Starting to warm up. Like, you know, we've been doing our previews. They've been really well, like, fought out. And kudos to you, my friends. But um, more importantly, the guests that we've had, I think I've just started to appreciate the content and the stuff that they're coming out with. So, like, even Ecuador, kind of light bulb moments, opened my eyes up to maybe a different way of like looking at this world cup. So certainly mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing those sides that maybe I probably haven't like concentrated on. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to it in that respect. Now this is, I think before we do move on to Premier League and say uh, what has made me realize interviewing all these people from all around the world is like each, it sounds quite cheesy, but each team's individual journey to get there. Yeah. And for some countries that don't qualify all the time, how much it means to them. And you're like, oh man, I'm super mm. excited for you to be able to watch your country at a World Cup. Like, I think it really has helped me get excited. And Ecuador, we are fully behind you guys, by the way. Not only is it an exciting team, but that video is going off. So thank you guys. We are fully behind Ecuador right now. But we do need to wrap up what was the first part of the season. And we are, of course, starting in Italy, in Serie A. And there's only one team to start with. They've not conceded in six Serie A games. Their defence all of a sudden is on lock. Since they've gone to three at the back, five in midfield, it has just been relentless. And even when we were laughing at Juve the most, and we were laughing pretty loudly, mm. we always wow. in the back of our head, they will be there or thereabouts. They always find a way. Adam, how have they found a way to get themselves arguably back in the title race? Yeah, I'm still working it out, to be honest. I, I don't know. But to be honest, like you look at the way they played yesterday, it was completely too different in terms of style, the way they went about it. Um, but one of the things you have to say is Allegri seems to be picking the players that are in form right now. So, for example, Moretti didn't start in this match. Moses Keane started. I know that's kind of forced, but he got goals like um, got probably goals. made easy by the fact that Providal made it so easy for him, to be fair. Um, mm -hmm. But Rabio, um, hands up, he's played really well. Um, Gatti, as you mentioned, in the defensive lineup, did really well. Bremer almost set up Milik with an incredible mm -hmm. like opportunity. Um, so I can't, I still can't kind of figure out or figure out what it is that's kind of making them tick. Um, but one thing I will say is Kostic seems to be the outlet that they've been craving. Kostic, yeah. Kostic mm -hmm. seems to be the one. And Fajoli as well, like he's pinging these balls around. And at the right time, Chiesa comes back and he sets up Milik for the goal. So it, it's coming back to kind of 
indicate that maybe they'll have a stronger second half of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think if they win these big games in terms of the heads-to-heads kind of matches, then you never know. They might be knocking on Napoli's door. Um, I'd hate for Napoli to lose in this manner, but it, it does feel like if the Juventus can keep the core players fit going into the second part of the season, they could be a big threat in that title race. I think Chiesa coming back, so mm-hmm. he started to come back from injury. I mean, you saw the impact he came off the bench against Lazio. Yeah. Again, that would be a massive plus for them as well. But I think that uh, the weird Kostic and Moise Ken partnership seems to be working all right. And I think the thing I like about Kostic, he keeps it... I've seen him in the Bundesliga as well. He keeps it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mm-hmm. not a flashy player. He's not going to have you up of your seat, but he's always in space. He's always direct. He just gets balls, crosses ball, or shoots. Yeah. And yeah. it's very. He knows simple. what his job is, right? Yeah. He knows what his he's job got, is. Yeah, he, he, keep, he keeps his game simple but effective. And I think, you you know, especially the Legri team, that is quite functional. I think you need that a bit in your squad. And I mm-hmm. think certainly against Lazio, I mean, they didn't help. Lazio didn't really help themselves, to be honest, because that first no. goal between Milinkovic, Savic, and Providell is an absolute clown show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was. But I think one thing is that you've had to seem to be pressing a bit higher up the pitch. They're a bit more aggressive and a bit more snappy. Maybe that's maybe that comes with confidence when you've won six games on the bounce of that conceding goal. Yeah, maybe yeah. you do ex- you do get that extra ten percent, um, so to speak. So yeah, I think maybe we wrote off Juventus a little bit too winningly and too early this season because we, uh, we were was... very keen to do it. We were very keen <laughs> yeah, to do it. And way. still am. I still am keen to do it. But, but yeah, I think uh, ever since yeah, ever since we said Allegri was collecting his P forty five, it's all got a bit whoop for him. He has yeah. really turned this around. It's incredible. He's turned this around. I think the change in formation has helped sticking with that three in the back because the start of the season, I think he was kind of shifting between systems, trying to figure out what yeah. was best, where he was going. This three five two really seems to be working for them. When Allegri's football works, we know it. It relies on not conceding mm. goals. But also, they've now got the people at the other end to put the ball away. I think Chiesa, as you said, coming back is massive. That is the thing where when I saw it, well, when I saw him come off the bench, the first thing I did was check it, who in my Fanta Calcio had him and if he was still available <laughs> to buy. Someone has got him. But I think he could be a huge key for Juve in the second half of the season, as you said, and could be the that catalyst that pushes mm. them further because we saw how key he was for Juve and how great yeah. a player he is. He's genuinely like, I love watching him. And I think, yeah, him coming back and then maybe Vlavic being fit the other side of the World Cup, whatever it is, like Chiesa-Vlavic link-up could be huge. Like, so I think yeah. Juve looking in really good shape and Allegri back from the dead. And the problem is if there's one team that Napoli have a massive psychological complex with, it's you, <laughs> like they'll just see them in the rear view mirror, like, and it just it concerns me. But a great performance for Juve for Lazio. These are the performances we know they're capable of. Um, the concerning thing for them is that Milinkovic Savic has now been linked to Juve. We said that maybe they're gonna go <laughs> out and buy they're gonna go and buy a new midfielder rather than giving the youth players a go. It looks like they've got Milinkovic Savic on their radar, he's 18 months left on his contract. That would be a disaster for Lazio. I think just as they're starting yeah. to build something, it'll for be it'll be a classic Juve move. Yeah, it'll be a classic Juve mm-hmm. move to do, wouldn't it? A team in a very similar place to him in the table. Um, you know, they take. Just, they, thank so, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, take that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, then again, though, I'm not sure where Juve getting the money from because obviously 
then again, I think we, I think we said this in well, like, did we say this in January with Vlaovic? You're like, we're, we're like, well, where are you? Yeah. They get the money from, and suddenly out of nowhere, 67 million. 67 you underestimate the, the creativity of their accountants, yes, they really are next level. But Adam, for Lazio, what did we make of the performance? Is this concerning, or is it just one of those days? It's a combination of both because they didn't play particularly well. They played sorry ball, but they didn't like they weren't penetrative at any moment. I didn't feel like there was like a chance for Lazio at any point. I, like even when they did have a shot, and I think it was Louis Alberto when he came on, like he mm-hmm. shot it straight at Chesney in fairness. Yeah. So there wasn't much to worry about. I think the main thing you have to consider with Lazio is that they're still not. Sari ready in that sense they haven't got the players that Sari wants yet so you know January slash this next summer is going to be critical um they're doing quite well for where they are um but they are missing Immobile I think that's quite clear Mm -hmm. if they had someone like Immobile I think he would have maybe caused a bit more mayhem to the attack um Mm -hmm. because they are lacking that bit of quality I mean Pedro had an opportunity as well in this match it has to be said um but again you know, what's he, 35, 34? Yeah. He's very much like, flashes, isn't he, Pedro? You yeah. get flashes of past glories, been, Yeah, he always been a bit like that, hasn't he? Just yeah. now and then pops up with something. You go, oh, he's good. And then <laughs> nothing. But Another five weeks. Well, yeah, 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 he absolutely brings something yeah, out. Yeah. But no, I think with Lazio, like, oh, some, I think with the Louis Alberto one, obviously he had a shot that went straight to keeper. But the first touch that went before it was ropey as hell. Mm-hmm. Like a better touch. You could have either A, taken that first time. And usually I'd have Louis Alberto as a sort of quality of player capable of doing it just take it first time or take a better first touch and did neither and it just it's one of those days i think nothing came off for them Mm -hmm. everything seemed a little bit short and hurried and that's not i guess you know as we've said it's not prime sorry ball um but again i think it's just the fixtures catching up with teams a little bit i think you do some teams are going to have stinkers and i think that's had a bit of a stinker and uh and there's you a lot of players have... there that, like, we saw it across the weekend, a lot of players who were thinking about the World Cup. Already. Of course, yeah, I mean, yeah. There was yeah. a lot of games where you're like, okay, they weren't that they weren't that deep. Like, yeah, so for Juve, huge win. Lazio, disappointing. But we need to continue on the Scudetto race theme. And despite a scare, it looked like they might throw it away. Napoli are officially the winter champions. They will be top of the table come the 1st of January. And... Ossiman and Elmas. I want to talk about Elmas. Now, throughout yes. the season, we've talked about Napoli players just coming up and getting moments. Ostergaard yeah. has done it. Um, even like Lozano has had his moment. These players that just not really been mm-hmm. in and out, and then they have these moments. Elmas was unbelievable this game. Not only did he score, I think he got an assist. He yes, absolutely yeah. tore the Udinese defence to pieces and it just showed me again a sign of what this Napoli squad, I'm not even going to say team, yeah, what yeah. this Napoli squad has been capable of. Um, an unbelie- and Udinese, the masters of a draw, right? Still up there towards <laughs> the top of the table and Napoli just blew them away. Um, what do we think of this, Adam? And I'll go to you, Andy. Yeah, I mean, you've kind of said it it was all about elmas and he's been doing it for the last few matches in fairness so he's been doing quite consi- uh, consecutively good performances basically setting that standard by spalletti which mm-hmm. is 
if you want to get in this side, you have to be at a certain level. And he, he just was insane for this match. He even had that move with uh, Zielinski for that goal as well. And Zielinski's goal was incredible. You saw the crowd kind of go like open mouth, just didn't know yeah. what they'd just seen. That cutback um, was insane. I mean, that the whole move was think... beautiful. Yeah, I it was beautiful. Move, yeah. yeah, And in fairness, Osserman as well contributed in this match. And he's another one that we've been saying for weeks has been incredible. Um, for that scare in terms of the two quick goals succession for Udinese, I, I don't know if there's much that like the uh, Napoli defence could have done, to be fair. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, I feel like they would have still saw it out. I thought, I thought like, even though it was 3 2, I was like, I think they'll see this out. It was not like if it was Juventus, you kind mm. of sense that maybe they would have crumbled. But actually, no, I, I felt really comfortable with Napoli. Um, if it was Napoli again of last season, Possibly that would have ended up in the I was, draw. But, I was just yeah. about to say to Andy, doesn't that tell us something about Napoli that we're now kind of they've they've been pegged back by two and we're not worried? Does yeah, that tell we, us about I it? mean, we said it. I think we said it um, last week that we, you know, Napoli have found a way to get grind through mm -hmm. games and have the depth to grind through games where we didn't have that last season and in other, in other title challenges have had over the years. Um, I know Piotr Zelitsky is another one who uh, again has come up quite well. He's I mean, that second Napoli goal is one of the best team goals I've seen this yeah. season. Yeah. Everything about it was just top notch. That back heel mm. from Ozen Hand, yeah. that through yeah. ball, uh, that floated through ball from Lozano, the technique to get that yeah. pinpoint, mm -hmm. and then the finish from Zielinski afterwards. He's got a good hit on him, to be fair. Uh, that whole move was brilliant, but yeah, I think. That it just feels like at the moment it's a sign of a title winning team, isn't it? Or mm. a team that goes on to win titles mm. that they have 19 or 20 players that can contribute, come off the bench, do something. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, to go into the, well, the winter, you know, it's winter champions and um, unbeaten with a 10 point lead. Um, brilliant. They are absolutely crushing it, and it's just really nice to see them playing great football. The fans enjoying themselves. The Diego Maradona Stadium absolutely rocking, and us. More importantly, awesome men keeping me top of the Fanta Calcio League. I am also <laughs> winter champion. Thank you, thank you. Good, but elsewhere in Serie A, then we're going to move on from Napoli, and we're going to go to um, which side of me? Which side of Milan should we go to first, um, Adam? I'm going to let you pick the red side or the blue side. Let's start with the red side. Let's start with the red, red side. Red side. Milan start and end strong. They score in the first two minutes. They kind of score in the last minute, yeah. and they squeeze past an improve in a very improving Fiorentina. Yeah. Adam, what did you think of Milan's performance here? I wasn't that convinced by the performance. I'll be honest. Again, yeah, again, it's one of those that's kind of like if you saw it on a flow chart, it go up and down, up and down. Really, um, they took a fantastic lead. Liao, you know, quickly taking his goal, incredible. But like you say, there was kind of periods of that play against Fiorentina where. Fiorentina seemed to edge it. Um, Baragi seemed to be unlucky at times. Um, mm -hmm. uh, to be fair, a host of Fiorentina chances uh, during the whole set of the match. Uh, Barak, in particular, had a fantastic game. I know that's a player that you've been raving oh, for Barak. a while yeah. since Verona days. Um, but yeah, it seems unfortunate that Fiorentina kind of gave it away in the last minute of injury time. I mean, it's not really a foul on the keeper. The keeper just ran out of his goal trying to claim a ball and he didn't get anywhere near it. So you couldn't really say that 
there's a foul on him. Um, but yeah, keeps Milan's momentum, um, despite the fact that they haven't got really a full team to pick from. So yes, you could say it's disappointing from a AC Milan performance point of view, but certainly they're keeping on this momentum of getting results and mm. ultimately keeping themselves in that title race as well, which is the most important thing, right? Well, listen, I was just about to ask Andy, do you think Milan are still in it? They've now won three of their last five, only losing one. They seem to just be getting over the line. Do you think they are they still the biggest challengers to Napoli? No, I think with the form at Juve are in, uh, I think you would actually have to put them down as uh, mm. I no way thought we'd be saying this a few weeks back. <laughs> You'd have to put Juve down, both in terms of the recent results and performances. I think with recent with AC Milan recently, they haven't convinced. Um, mm. However, I think they are a team that could benefit from a... Uh, World Cup break to get a few players yeah. back potentially, um, and then start start afresh um, in the new year. So yeah, they, I think they've they've done what a lot of teams have done. They've just grinded for it without ever really being convincing. I think it's been probably a good few weeks since we saw like a really convincing Milan performance mm. where they played well from start to finish. Um, you know, I think you'd have to go back to probably. Go back to earlier of the year, really, where they beat Juventus probably back in mm. October. It was probably mm. their last real decent performance. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the result. Uh, they'll be, I think, they would have taken being where they are in the table, uh, to be well, seven points behind mm. uh, Napoli at this stage of the season. Um, mm. I'm just not necessarily sure that they've got the squad depth at the moment uh, to compete. The well, the weirdest, it. the weird, I, th- I think you're right. Well, the weirdest scenes we saw at San Siro, it was a really bizarre thing, was um, the Curva bidding an emotional farewell to Ivan Gazidis, um, oh, a wow. man who at Arsenal was chased out of the club and basically <laughs> with pitchforks and fire. And he has decided to, I think he's leaving the job. He's kind of going to pastures new. And the, the Milan fans are genuinely upset to see him leave. It's kind of a little bit crazy. Um, I know under him, they have had a hell of an improvement. He's kind of worked very closely with Maldini to get mm. this incredible... When you think about where they picked Milan up yeah, from and where they are now, the transformation is insane. And they've done it without really bursting the pank. They've done it, I think they're still in the green. So you have to say, fair play even. It didn't work out at Arsenal, but... Some fans are, are sad to see you leave, but as an Arsenal fan, I was a bit like, I had to say, I, I did a double take definitely. Like, Wait, are they? Is that for him? Is that for him? Um, but yeah, fair, farewell, even good looking where you end up next. Um, for Fiorentina, it's a real shame, right? I think mm. they've been massively improving a performance where they definitely deserve more, but I think what we've seen throughout from them throughout the season is that they've just Guess what? Vlavic is really hard to replace. Um, Jovic is just not the same player. He's not got the same hit rate, and they're not putting the goals away like they did last season. They will no. still be fine. I just feel like they probably deserved a bit more from this game. I think it just yeah. deserved. It feels like a, a bit of a recurring theme this season, isn't it? They're, they've mm-hmm. they've played well enough in patches to feel like they yeah. deserve to be a bit higher than tenth. But I, think I also think the Conference League kind of shafted their squad a little bit. It really did. They've got quite a... They're not used to it, there. are they? They're yeah, not used nice. to that kind of level back-to-back league and then yeah. Europa, uh, Europa. So, yeah, it is I mean, what they, it is. Right? Have they got that to look forward to? Did, did they, they made it through their 
yes yeah yeah, yeah. They yes group, they? the so they've got that in the summer but you know when they when they come back they have got monza um at home sassuola at home sabdoria and a couple of talia oh, that's kind of gentle that's quite a gentle start i think uh, roman yeah. Fi- fiorentina could be a big one obviously goes january mm-hmm. so i think they've got a easier than expected um like a nice, easily, gently kind of start. You've just yeah. jinxed them, though. You've said, "No, that's it." Yeah, so, they're going to lose to Monza so, now. Like three <laughs> Monza are on Monza. fire as well, by the way. So Swallow will reach their potential battering four now, and Dorian <laughs> so will come back from the dead. They'll win the Coppa Italia <laughs> and get relegated. There you go. That's my hot take. <laughs> Decided. Sampdoria have got a chance after all. Who'd have thought it? Um, elsewhere, we do need to go to the other side of Milan and we need to talk about Inter. They've now scored nine goals in two games. I do not know what is going on with Inter. Mind blown. This, this was an incredible performance as well. I think the first half, they were terrible. I think the yeah. only good thing about the first half for Inter was that it finished and they were level. <laughs> like, it was awful. But... A great finish from Dzeko, kind of Zlatan-esque little uh, yeah, heel kick, wasn't it? Yeah, which was beautiful to see. Um, and then the second half, I think Atalanta were nowhere near it. Inter absolutely dominated it, and mm. a great, great performance from Simone Inzaghi's men. Um, Inter, I just feel like it's going to be a schizophrenic season for them, isn't it? It's going to be up and down. It's going to be up and down. <sighs> what did you make of the performance, Adam? And then Andy, I'll get your thoughts uh, on Atalanta. I think the main thing is Inter building on the current kind of few results that they've been getting together. So obviously Sampdoria was a good starting point. Then they had that defeat against Juventus, but then they picked themselves up again. So, you know, when you see that 7-1 result against Bologna, you're kind of like, "Mm, yes, this is where it gets even worse, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, look, they're they're doing the things that Inzaghi needs right now, which is points Mm -hmm. on the board. Um, big result against Atalanta because obviously Inzaghi was under pressure by the fact that he hasn't been winning these kind of games. Um, And yeah, I mean, probably at the right time to have this break as well because I think Mm. that helps them regroup a bit more, get the players that they need back into the fold as well. Um, But yeah, I think there's lots of learnings from this first part of the season, which is basically they aren't as solid as they anticipate to be. Um, for Atalanta, though, yeah, again, we kind of speculated it on last week's pod. Um, it doesn't look too pretty at the moment, and probably the break again really benefits them right now as well. To be fair, I think they desperately need to regroup. But that said, you know, you've got a few of their players that are going to be at Qatar as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much Gasparini will be able to work with the players that he's got at his disposal. But again, yeah, a lot's been said about this Atalanta squad. They, they're doing really well, considering, I think, expectations as well, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. We expected them to be Europa League, uh, maybe yeah. pushing for Champions League, if you know what I mean. I think that that result does put in a three points ahead of them, so it was huge. But now mm. Atalanta have lost four of their last five. Um, I, f- I saw very little bite in that team, very little like attacking intent. The goal came from a penalty, a very good penalty, yeah, a fantastic penalty, penalty yeah. from Luckman going from shite Penenkas to that. Like, fair play. <laughs> he's, learned, <laughs> he's learned his lesson. That was a great penalty. But um, I didn't see anything from that Atalanta team that really made me worry for Inter. What do we think about Atalanta, Andy? Is this break perfect for Gasparini? Does it give him they a need, chance they, to steady yeah, the shit? They need, they need a break because they're pretty much been free for for the past mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, they have to keep making sloppy, sloppy mistakes. Like 
in every single game they've always been sort of in the game but mm. they keep making a sloppy mistake in this you know in this case it's the own goal and they just haven't quite got the energy or quality to recover from it at the moment mm-hmm. um i feel that they're lacking a little the fact they're lacking a little bit of an x factor uh but you know they've had i think if you did ask them would they have taken especially after last season taken sixth place going into the Qatar world cup i think they would have absolutely taken it i mm-hmm. think they'll yeah. just be disappointed by the current circumstance when they started so well they've lost you know four games out of five and they've really lost their momentum um, I mean, they have got, you know, generally speaking, a small squad, which when it's when you get a few injuries, you're going to feel the impact of that. And, you know, hopefully they'll have a chance to um, recover a little bit. Because I think they are better than they've shown. Like, I think, you know, they're certainly better, you know, they're as good as Lazio. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to the latter end of the season... I still think they'll be trying to be pushing the top four because at the end of the day, they're only what three points off it at the moment, even though they've had a really rough patch of form. They just need that one win. I think all the games they've lost by like one goal, except for the the Lazio game, they lost 2 0. I think everyone has been by one goal. Like you said, it's that lapsing concentration, I think, or that little. They lost, they, their, their unbeaten run ended, and then it's just spiraled. And I think they just need to take a breath, resettle, and see think, where they're yeah, at. Yeah, I think we need, I think we need some more consistent goals as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the problem they've got. Obviously, Lookman's done really well, but he's not a striker. And he's, he's not a 20 goal a season. He's not a 20 goal a season striker. The bloke yeah. who should be a 20 goal a season striker, Dovan Zapata, is, well, really bad not yeah not inconsistent to say the least yeah but he has been you know he has been more consistent in the past mm-hmm. you look at yeah. his overall records but for the past one like, thing to say though on Zapata he's just come back from injury yeah. so it's yeah, going to take time right so Muriel Muriel hasn't been firing either yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think well, they are Muriel still never does so does he always, I feel like between the two of them you, they usually one of them scores usually one of them scores yeah if you merge the two of them together you would have a 20 to 30 goal a season striker. But unfortunately, the technology's not there to do that. Yeah, so you just not have quite to hope, Yeah, you just have to hope one of them does that. Because again, when, you know, with um, Luis Muriel, he's only got one in nine himself. And yeah, when he's yeah. at his best, he's absolutely, he's got electrifying pace. Yeah, he, yeah. He, set he, pieces he's confident. as well. He's yeah, when he's, when he's confident, he is a really good player, but... Mm-hmm. I think uh, they need to find they need to find a consistent source of goals, whether that's coaching Zabata and Muriel into a better form, or maybe looking into the transfer market. Um, I think that's where um, Atalanta can make that gain potentially. Well, fingers crossed for them as the season kicks off in the second half. We do need to very quickly talk about the bottom table, <laughs> bottom of the yeah, table yeah, as yeah. well, because Christ alive, the gap is widening, and it looks like those three teams are going to be the three teams. So yes. Verona, bottom on five. Sampdoria, 19th on six points. Cremonese, 18th on seven points. Oof. Spezia, 17th on 13 points. There's already a six-point gap. And I don't think it's harsh to say none of those teams in the bottom three look anywhere close to winning a game at the moment. Um, Verona did have a slight moment of hope against Spezia as they went 1-0 up. A beautiful chip from Verdi. Really yeah. nice goal. But Anzola put pay to that within 
13 minutes and made yeah. it 2-1 to Spezia. A huge, huge win there. Sampdoria getting beaten by Lecce at home 2-0. We said it, right? We yes. said that's not even going to be close. Lecce are going to walk through that one. They did. Um, and Cremonese got beaten 2-0 by Empoli. Goals from Cambiaghi and Parisi. Again, just these teams... Very quickly, Adam, do you think those are the teams to be relegated? Yeah, totally agree. Uh, totally agree. And I was going to say with Lecce, they've got a player like Colombo, who, mm-hmm. yeah, we've been saying at the beginning of the season, looks like a prospect. He scored a fantastic goal and set up a really good game for Bam, 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 Banda. That's it, Banda. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very good assist there. If you haven't seen it, it was really classic because it was kind of back-heeled it in a position you don't expect him to do that. Um, Spezia, yeah, totally expect them to be safe this season. Unfortunately, you know, that injury to Dragovsky, I don't know if you guys saw it. Oh, I retweeted man, that's it. rough. It was absolutely horrific. Yeah, and that really could have, you know, made Spezia plays maybe go the other way and lose the match. But, yeah, thankfully, they gave their all for Dragovsky and dedicated that win to him. As for the likes of Cremonese, I just think they're just lacking that firepower. That's what it is at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, um, yeah. Sampdoria are pretty much certain. Verona have been cost cut in from the beginning of the season, so yeah. can't see them. It's a shame. Now. It's a shame because yeah. Verona was so, so, so good last year. So good last year. And it's just all fallen apart. Those three teams just look completely bereft. And Sampdoria, I just want to see how bad it can get because I can see no signs of, of anything encouraging there at the moment. I, I'd almost rather be a Verona fan at this point. I've just Goog- I've just been trying to Google um, what team got the lowest point totals um, in, in Italy. Is, yeah, and, and I think it's I think we're in a chance here with one of these three teams. So the two most recent examples was Pescara in uh, I think 2017-2018 getting only like. Um, I think 16 10, points, 12. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then you had Chievo after being deducted oh, yeah, points. Yeah. Finished yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of years Were ago. They deducted 10, 12 points or something. It's only about three yeah. points, actually, I think I read. Oh, um, wasn't that many, but. Um, yeah. That was a terrible Chievo team, though. But this, oh, yeah. Yeah. But this one, they can't, they, they've not been deducted. None of these teams have been deducted any points. I mean, unless <laughs> yeah. you get deducted points, have been shite. Uh, <laughs> they, they are just terrible. I was just looking at Verona. They've lost the last 10 games in a row, and they've scored one, two, three, four, five, six goals in that time. Um, and I'm not. I don't have the time to count how many they've conceded, but it has not a lot. been pretty. <laughs> lots, yeah. Let's just say lots. Verona look bang in trouble. Sorry, Verona. We oh, last mm. season you were so good. Life isn't fair. But we need to before we move on to the to the Premier League. We need to talk about. We're going to go for okay. So um, our team of the season so far. I think there's only really one answer. But Andy, I'm going to go for you. Serie A team of the season so far. Napoli, of course. Yeah, that I don't think yeah, there needs to be yeah. justification for that. I think we speak <laughs> for itself, right? Um, yeah. Player of the year so far. Just shout out, guys, when you think of it. Faradona. Yeah. Very good shout. Very yeah. good shout. Um, most disappointing team of the year so far. Ooh. There's a few candidates. I'm going to throw Ooh. some at you. Um, I'm going to say. Well, Inter? Sampdoria, Verona, um, Sassuolo looking pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, what do we think? I, th- I think Verona would be pretty disappointed to be yeah. honest. Like... The drop-off's huge, isn't it? Yeah. 
big old drop off. Verona, sorry guys. Um, and the team who will improve the most in the second half of the season. I'm I'm going to put it out there, Lecce or Monza, because I Ooh, think there's okay. high hopes for Monza. Monza's form of late has been quite been good. unreal, eh? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- with the players that they've got at their disposal, I think they could do even better second half of the season. Lecce. If they can just add a few more players, yeah. I think they could have a solid base to climb up that table. Nice. Andy, what do you think? Team that's going to have a, the most improved second half? Ooh. I know who I think, I'm going to go for, but I want to see who you're going to say. I think Sassuolo uh, have got a lot more to show than they have at the moment. I, mean, I, I hope think- so. I think they're better than the 15th that they're in at the moment as a team. Yeah. So I could yeah. I could see them. I'd like to see them put together like a run of four gets you into the top half. Otherwise, are the picks weird enough? Um, Inter. I, I know it sounds okay. strange because they're already in the top five, but I still think they've got another gear to go up. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm going to go in the hope that we'll jinx it. I'm going to say Juventus. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, gonna, I think by genuinely, I was thinking about it today. And I was like, they're going to have such a great end of the season. Aren't they? Yeah. It's going to be really depressing. I think they're going to have a really, really great end, uh, second part of the season. So on that depressing note, or inspiring if you're a Juve fan, um, we're going to move on to the Premier League. And it's time to talk Premier League. And you can hear the excitement in my voice, listeners. <laughs> but we're not going to start with Arsenal. We're going to start. There's only one place to go. And it's, of course, the Busy Bees batter city as even Tony sends a message to Gareth Southgate with an incredible centre-forwards performance. Genuinely did everything. His heat map and his touch map were mental. Mm. He was everywhere on the pitch. His hold-up play was fantastic. His finishing was incredible. He arguably could have and should have had a hat-trick. But, Andy, I'm going to start with you. I think you might have enjoyed seeing this happen. What did you make of Brentford's (laughs) performance and City's? I mean, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think... um... Brentford set themselves up really, really well. Uh, I think with Ivan Tony, they have got a striker who's got a very, very good all-round game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when you play against City, you, you need your striker to do a bit of everything. You need it to drop deep, lay it off, do you know, do the shit housing of the long balls, um, and and then do you know his day job if you like, just getting into the box and scoring some goals. Uh, I think. Um, Having him on four has made a massive difference to them. And like I said, it's not, you know, for Brentford, it's not a fluke they've been able to pull this kind of result mm-hmm. out. Uh, they've done it against Chelsea last season. We did it against Manchester United earlier this season. They play with two up front. The, the wing backs push high and aggressively. Um, and I've, I've said before that that, man, that Manchester City defence uh, that with some of the key figures missing is not that great. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and Laporte has had his injury problems. Good defence. Thunder, but it's had his injury problems. Akjani uh, didn't really look that great for Dortmund, to be honest. And yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. They were hopeless last season. You've got John Stones mm. playing at right back. Uh, it's for a team for a team of Manchester City's resources. They seem to have really left themselves short in a yeah. few areas. I think maybe that's complacency or something, or don't, or whether they're actually trying to be self-sustainable. I don't know, uh, but. You know, they haven't really, apart from Riyad Mahrez, they're lacking a little bit of depth from the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they haven't, they, they haven't, for City of a team of their resources, for not really to have much in the way of backup fullbacks, 
given how vital they are to the way City play, yeah. seems a bit of an overshot. But I think one thing that was quite funny was this Kevin De Bruyne, especially just diving constantly or going down easily. It feels like a get... new. It feels like a new focus they're taking City. Eh? It does. Feel, I noticed throughout the game that they were hitting the deck instantly, and I was like, this feels like a kind of a decision. <laughs> Right, it feels like this is a tactical decision. I think most every team dives, every team has players yeah. who dive. Everyone accuses everybody of it, but I thought in this game in particular, City were absolutely terrible with it. Um, and De Bruyne having a really off day in general, apart from mm-hmm. clearing one off the line at the end, I didn't really notice him doing much in the game. It's not often you say that. Um, no, I think so. Harland as well. He probably wasn't mm-hmm. as effective as we used to. But I think maybe I think my theory on it is that everyone's kind of referees have cottoned on to the tactical fouls where they mm-hmm. just they clean people out, especially Fernandinho, who who foul people about seven or eight times and not get before he gets a, a stern word. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe yeah, yeah. maybe that's yeah. maybe that's a new approach. And um, weirdly, that I think um, I think the Wolves are still adapting a little bit to you know having Harland in the side as well. Uh, maybe that maybe that side of things has been a little bit iffy for them. But mm-hmm. again, I think they've got a lot of players. Perhaps with half an eye of the World Cup, if you look at most of that squad, yeah. They, well, they're all half, going. Aren't half, they? half, half of that, half that, pretty much all of that eleven that they've got that they played at the weekend are all going to the World yeah. Cup. And maybe with, with Brentford, where there's not as many of them, uh, especially if Ivan Tony. I mean, I know that argument's going to rage on for a while. I don't... Uh, um, yeah, the second mm. the second England might get a rough result, maybe get a draw against Iran. The paper's just... going to be all over that. I the think. thing is, though, as good as Ivan Tony is, and he's been brilliant this season, I don't think it was that 100% outrageous he was left out. No, because I don't, I don't he's quite, the reason, you know, he's quite similar to Harry Kane in terms of how he plays, but he's not as good as Harry Kane, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, not yeah. going to start ahead of him. So I think that's why he's gone with Wilson, because you need something different than what you've already got yeah. to make a difference. I think, I think in general I think it makes sense, and I wasn't upset that Tony was left out. I was never upset that he was left out. Obviously, he was, but I was never upset that he was left out. <laughs> I think his time will come, though. I think when, assuming Southgate does one at the end of a tournament where we crash mm-hmm. out in the quarterfinals, embarrassingly, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think people like Tony will get a, a, some chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope so, because he's earned it. He's definitely earned it. Um, but Adam, we need to talk about Brentford, just how tactically they were unbelievable. And they really did yeah. kind of really pull City apart. I found the, the midfield runners from deep were incredible. Like Thomas Frank, he should be in a conversation a bit more about like elite coaches, right? Mm. Yeah, definitely. He's got like, he must have like a file of different scenarios and what to do, but he's articulate in terms of the detail. He showed it a few years ago when they were in the championship. Um, luckily enough, I was able to see it against Wickerman where they beat us 7-2 in one match, a particular match. And he, he just seems to get the most out of these players, no matter what kind of style that they're facing against. They really do seem to deconstruct their style and play their own way. Um, like we've kind of said, they do like to use the wing backs, Rico Henry on one side. And it's interesting, you've got the likes of obviously Josh De Silva that set up Ivan Tony for the, the winner. Um, that kind of 
he's very clever in terms of when he's going to put these players and what duties they're going to carry out as well. One other player to highlight as well, although he didn't have as much of an impact in this particular match, but he did kind of start that run was Wissa. Wissa mm -hmm. on the other side yeah, yeah. came on, did like drag the defence and that's the kind of thing that he does. He kind of tries to tire out the opposition very early, try and meticulously try and absorb the pressure and then use those players to bomb forwards, do the counter-attacking. And as we've highlighted, Ivan Tony does a really good job of holding up the ball, contributing, making sure that the play continues as well, because that's the key thing. It's one thing to hold up the ball. It's another to actually try and set up or try and keep the momentum in terms of passing going. And just a word on the defence with Raya in goal, who I didn't think would make the jump up to the Premier League because mm -hmm. there's been a few occasions in the Championship where he was caught napping, I, I felt. Um, but yeah, Real big praise for him and Pinnock, even Pinnock as yeah. well. I mean, he's another player that's come from the lower leagues doing really well. So fair play to him. Um, fantastic performance. And yeah, Thomas Frank should be in the conversation of bigger jobs. Uh, I think we kind of laughed or scoffed at the opportunity at Villa, potentially maybe too soon or maybe too mm -hmm. similar kind of sides. Um, I feel like it's yeah. a sideways step at this point. I think yeah. he needs to like be waiting for a bigger job. Sorry, Villa fans, but exactly. you are kind of the level of Brentford. and Maybe should be aiming to get back to where Brentford are. But um, yeah, in incredibly impressed. Obviously, the, the I think I tweeted the false hope of Man City being a goal behind. I was like, I just know that this is gonna, <laughs> I know the way this is going to go. I'm not going to let myself get excited. When, when it flashed up to one, I thought, oh, here we go. They scored a last minute winner. And, oh, wait, for, for who? No, wait. It's Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> and they should, have had, they should have had three. They could have had three. They really, really yeah. just kept catching them on the break. And I feel like there are weaknesses in this City team. As you said, Andy, is, the yeah. defence isn't where it should be. There are weaknesses in this team. And it's giving me false hope and I don't like it. But before <laughs> we get on to Arsenal, we're going to talk about, I think, the game of the weekend. And I actually sat and watched this and it was going well for a while. But we have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to start giving them their flowers. Spurs. Now, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. They are so shit and they win every game. I don't understand. But we have to talk about, is this the fruit of Antonio Conte's fitness work? Is this what he works his players into the ground for. Because what they do is they get late goals every single time. Mm -hmm. And this cannot be a coincidence. Now, Leeds basically bent over for the last two goals and let him have it. But, like, you have to say Spurs now are looking like a very hard team to beat. And they don't know when they're beaten. I can't get my head around it because they look shit. Like, Adam, what do you think? <laughs> it's like this paradox. I think we kind of said this about Conte with other sides, to be fair. Um, what he does, though, really well is get the best out of the players that is at his mm. disposal. So what he, I would say, definitely reflects on the fact that Spurs quality-wise aren't as good as the Inter or the Chelsea yeah. sides. But one of the things he does do is he seems to get players like Ben Davies, uh, Eric Dyer to play at the optimal so yeah. basically by giving that all but he seems to play a certain style where it is kind of absorbing the play but then when they need to like you say and refer to the fitness regime as well that's kind of critical to the style you need to be high intensity but all of the time and 
be able to create those moments. And mm -hmm. in the likes of Bentancur and Kulosevsky, they seem to be the linchpins at the moment for Spurs because other than that, I, I said it on the previous pod, I think they're struggling. And if it wasn't for those signings, who ironically came from Juventus, then, yeah, what, what else could happen with this Spurs squad? I think there's definitely reinforcements to be made in the general window. It's just a question of who could they move out. That's the key question. <laughs> it's a question of Levy spending money as well is the bigger question. Yeah. But I think, I, I like in all seriousness, I think they are going to back Conte. I think they can see that there's something happening there. Then there is like signs of, yes, if we do invest, he can improve us. Yeah. Ben Tanker has been a very, very good signing. Juve fans were kicking him out the door. And I, didn't, I don't think anybody saw him being this good. Kulosevsky, we're seeing Kulosevsky from Parma. This isn't yes, Kulosevsky yeah. that was at Juventus when his confidence was destroyed. We're seeing the exciting Dejan Kulosevsky again, who is one of the most terrifying attackers that you'd have to go up against. I do have to say, though, Emerson Royale cannot be a professional footballer because <laughs> I do not know what he does. Some of the shit he does is so hilarious. Some of the shots where he just balloons into the stand. I'm sure you've oh, seen yeah. the clip of the midfield pass where it just, there's no one there. No he's one just goes straight <laughs> to player. Um, but giving Spurs their flowers, incredible win. But Andy, Leeds, could you handle being a Leeds fan? I feel like I would have had a coronary about three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, mate, they must have had, like, a few replacement hearts by this point. Like, like The mortality rate in Leeds at the moment must be pretty high. <laughs> it like. must be high. I mean, to be fair, it's not short, it's not short of entertainment at all, is it? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, they are going to have to, although it's very serious, that they're going to have to find a way to toughen up at, at the back because mm -hmm. conceding, conceding, you know, three, four games and conceding in the, in the manner that they do mm. for a lot of their goals, that, that is not sustainable uh, to stay in the Premier League. Um, so hopefully, you know, with Jesse Marsh, I'm sure they'll find a way to usually they'll get the back in to address that um, because I think that's where their major weaknesses are at the back. Mm. Um, I mean, got, you know, with that Leeds-Liverpool uh, game aside, um, they they're always quite vulnerable. I mean, they shipped in three against Fulham, three against Bournemouth. Uh, you know, just they've, they've conceded to, eleven goals in what in five games. There you go. Yeah, like, that it, is quite impressive. To be it's, fair, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, they've picked up a couple of wins. Um, they want you know fifteen points after fourteen games. If you copy that, map that out across the whole season, they finish on roughly. 40 points, which yeah. would probably be enough. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, you can't, you know, with you'd expect that Nottingham Forest will be a bit more settled by this point. Mm -hmm. um, Southampton are wolves are shite. <laughs> but no, I they think all the teams in trouble. And also, I think, I think, I think as well, from England point of view, Harry Kane being in form. Um, mm -hmm. 12, 12 goals in 15 games. I think that's largely gone under the radar because of obviously Haaland's exploits, but he has quietly been really, really good. And he's somebody who doesn't normally start the season well, particularly yeah. well. He's yeah, somebody yeah. who flourishes towards the end of it. So the fact he's already in double figures in November, uh, I think bodes well. I think as long as... Yeah, it's kind of mad that Haaland is... Uh, sorry, I think Holland's completely skewed the. You know how like the Messi Ronaldo numbers now make Raul look terrible. I feel like <laughs> Holland is kind of doing the same. It is like skewing the lens a little bit. But yeah, Harry Kane, you're right. Nobody's talking about it. He's had an incredible season again. He just it's become so normal now that he scores every game. Um, but because I'm very conscious that we're running out of time, I want to very quickly also 
move on to Newcastle. Um, mm. Joe Willock with a fantastic finish as yes. they put a lost, I'm going to say lost being yeah. kind, Chelsea team to the sword. Newcastle really looking like, I do not want to play away there this season. That is going to be a rough place to go for many teams. What did you think of um, Newcastle's performance, Adam? I think Chelsea were there to be taken. Um, unfortunately, it was one of those performances where you kind of felt from about five to ten minutes in that it wasn't going to be Chelsea's game mm-hmm. because there was. Mo- I think it was round when Loftus Cheek got injured and he had to be bought off yeah. eventually. Um, you kind of felt like that was the moment where Newcastle were pushing or putting themselves about, basically. And that in that kind of environment where you've got that, that kind of set of fans behind them then that is like a kind of a fortress when it's really rocking and swaying you don't want to be facing that so from that point of view they win on that side but also just the fact that they seem to just do at ease for that goal in particular it was a really good move in fairness Almiron knocking it on should I say sorry for Willock and he took it superbly well but even Chris Woods who was by himself didn't do as much but he did all the rough stuff. He just made it more of a hassle for the Chelsea defenders. Mm-hmm. And I think at moments, you know, Chelsea defenders didn't know what to do. Chalabar looks terrible. Um, yeah, he looks, he looks like it, all his confidence is gone. I thought he was a really, like, exciting, promising defender, and he still is. But I feel like yeah. that defensive unit at the moment at Chelsea just needs completely it's revamping. Not, the fact it's that not Asp- working, is it? No. And the fact that, like, Aspilicueta is still there kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like... Thiago Silva at 37, still a great defender, but you've got to be moving on, right? It just yeah. feels like that whole defensive unit is a bit lost. And the problem is, Andy, do you think Potter's going to get the time? I don't think he's going to get the time. Well, he's already under pressure. Um, mm. He's under pressure, I think, because people expect Chelsea to act in those kind of situations. But this is this is a new regime, um, so we don't 100% know what's going to happen. I think... Mm. With Todd Bowley, I think I don't think he'd be so willing to cut his own his own man his own appointment out mm-hmm. so soon. Um, and with with Gray Potter teams and need time. Yeah. Brighton, you know, I, I know we talk about how well they did last season, um, but they still, you know, over the time he was there, they still went eight, nine, ten games of really, really ropey performances before they really started to click into gear. Um, and I think, you know, for a Chelsea squad that spent so much money during the summer, you look at their first 11, it's actually lacking quite a bit of uh, mm. quality, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mason Mount, Colin, Colin Gallagher, Armando Broja, that, that's not a top four quality no. front line at, by any stretch of imagination. No, it's not. It's They're, not. you know, Trevor Chaloba, an aging Aspen Equator, um, is not a top four quality defence. Um, mm. So I think they are, like I said, um they are lacking a little bit at the moment. I think they made some quite poor decisions. I feel like they needed to invest more in the summer on maybe some younger centre backs. They could have done without maybe letting both Christiansen and Rudiger go. Um, signing a Bamiang on a short term deal was one of the. I know you're laughing, but it's one <laughs> yeah, of those, it. seems like seems like a good idea at the time. <laughs> but he should be uh, Bamiang. If, if Aubameyang was signed as a backup to an established number nine 
who scored 10, 15 goals a season. You just need someone to come off the bench for 15 yeah. minutes. That signing makes a lot of sense. When you're when you've got a Bamiyang as a senior striker, you know, whose best days are behind him, Amanda Brogia, who had a you know, he got I think seven seven goals in 30 odd games for Southampton last season. That's an okay goal return, but that's yeah. not good enough for Chelsea. Um, mm. but on the bright side, I think there'll be a few of them that be staying behind during the World Cup. I think Potter will have time to map out what he wants of his team going into um January, but It'd be interesting to see how tolerable the ownership will be. To yeah, I think that's the that's the top four. That's it's, the test, really, isn't it? Seeing they've how hired, they've are. hired, they've yeah. hired a project manager, yeah, and yeah. you'd like to think clubs do the due diligence on managers. Well, they they should do, but they don't. They but do. if yeah. they've done any sort yeah. of in an ideal world, yeah, if they've done any sort of due diligence, I know what they get to Gray Potter. Mm-hmm. This is not Gray Potter's team. These are not his players. He's not yeah, had a chance yeah. to bring in everyone like that. I can guarantee, if he had the chance, he would bring in someone like Trossard or you know yeah, even yeah. Pas- Pascal Grub, who's worked within his system and understands it. And I think that's what he yeah, needs because yeah. Ten Hag was able to do that with United. He brought in Martinez. He yeah. brought yeah, Anthony, yeah, yeah. he's brought in people who understand that kind of football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, fingers, think... f- fingers crossed, he gets the chance. Fingers crossed, he gets the chance. But yeah. I just do have to laugh at Chelsea being down in eighth. So yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that is good to see. And finally, because again, we are running out of time. I just need to say it. Like we're top, we're top before going into the World Cup. We're top. And I'm I never, out of time. See you later. Guys. I never like. ever <laughs> ever thought I'd be saying it. I never thought I'd be saying it. I have absolutely loved every second of this season. Um, the Wolves game, we were very very lucky. Um, especially first off, Wolves should have had a penalty, and Saliba should have been sent off. All I'll say to that is that for that is for David Luiz two years ago. So. Hold that, as the kids say. Um, I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I thought second half, we just got the job done. We were much better second half. Martin Odegaard, now top scorer in the Premier League mm. for Arsenal. Um, having an unbelievable season. And our midfield now is the most productive in terms of goals and assists in the league. It feels like it's all going to be horrible when it ends. But this time, this was a big test. With City dropping points, um, we could have just... In, Wolves, new manager bounce, etc., etc. It all could have gone very wrong, but we handled it. We played really well, and I'm just loving everything. The minute Arteta, his answers in the press conferences were brilliant. They were like, "If you do this, you can win the league." If he said, "No, if we do all that, we can beat West Ham," and that is just the that is all they're thinking about. The next game, the next game, the next game, and we just need to keep doing that, boys. Just don't don't think beyond your noses. Just the next game, and we will keep going unbelievable unbelievable um i'm gonna let someone else talk about arsenal if you want to i'm gonna go to adam because i don't feel like andy wants to talk about arsenal (laughs) (laughs) um all i would say is this is a sign of champions this is the kind of thing that happens which is basically you win games when you're least expected to win them or you happen to have a really bad game and Mm -hmm. the fact that you've got the quality to kind of turn that into a positive which is what Odegaard did in this particular match just goes to show you what you can do but word on Wolves I think they were obviously there to try and impress Lopetegui um there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of work to do yeah, and yeah I, I, I don't is... think they're out of the woods to say the least I think even no. if you bring players in January 
that's not enough necessarily to turn it around. But I think there are three other worse sides than them, including mm. Everton. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what, what stood out to me was their hope. Their 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 hope was just give the ball Adama Traore and hope he does something. Exactly. They've got no. They've got they've no got recognized no striker point, really. No. Guedes looked dangerous at times when we let him, but I think. Their their tactic was very clear for everyone to see. It was a flat back ten and hope to catch him on the break. I just feel like the Diego Costa thing. They hoped it would work as a short term fix, but they have to go into the market for a striker. Yeah. They have to go maybe down to the Championship or like just try and get a, a striker that's in form now that they can bring in and try and get into that league. I always think Britain Diaz probably deserves a stab at the Premier League. Um, I think. Wolves could should be bringing in that attacking player. Um, Andy, I'm just going to ask you, how impressive have Arsenal been this year? No, to be fair, to, I, I will give them that too. They've, they've actually been incredibly, incredibly good. And I think as much as I've ripped into them, I think, um, you know, more on the joking side of things. But yeah, on a serious level, I think you can see the work that Arteta's done. What you're seeing now has been in the making for three, four years. Mm-hmm. And there's been some major hiccups. I remember at the start of last season, I didn't think Arteta would be in the job, to be honest with you. I yeah. thought it was very, very lucky to keep his job after not being in the top four year on year. But obviously, those running the club have seen something that we don't necessarily see, yeah. you know, on the trading pitch. And in turn, you know, he, he got rid of those bad eggs and he's got a group of players that will you know will die for him so to speak yeah um yeah. and i think um it's what i think when your clubs are the positive momentum everything you touch turns to gold you know saliba people were talking about him being farmed out on loan and they criticized the treatment of him suddenly he's come back he's looked very very good um you know for what was arsenal's sort of main weakness has suddenly become you know one of their yeah, strengths yeah. is at the back mm-hmm. and the, you know the depth and the different options that they can have you can have Ben White at the back Tommy Arsu at the back you've got Tioni mm-hmm. Sinchenko on the left hand side um you know you've got Rob Holding who could provide you know possible support as a backup centre back and suddenly they've got a bit more depth up yeah, there yeah. and I think so yeah I think they deserve a lot of credit because that team has been through a lot to get to where they are at the moment um, and although it would be quite funny to see them bottle it, at the end of the day, I would probably, I'd, I'd rather see them win it than Manchester City, to be perfectly honest with you. So, yeah, me too. And I also just, think one, it, yeah. one thing, one thing, Sky Sports need to stop because it's not fair on either team. Stop comparing this Arsenal run to Leicester. Nothing Arsenal ever do will be comparable to what Leicester did. Leicester was an absolute miracle on a shoestring. We have spent millions. We have spent a lot of money. It is just not fair on either team to compare this run to Leicester's run. Even if we win the league, what Leicester do, what Leicester did will always be more impressive. It's a lazy narrative, and it kind of annoys me every time they bring it up because I think the Leicester run deserves more credit than that. Um, But... We're not even there yet. We're not even halfway through in terms of games and we've still got to play City twice. But we have played all of the top six teams. City have only played one, I think, and they lost to Liverpool. Um, So it's all to play for, as they say. But before we send our listeners off and our viewers off, we need to do our kind of mid-season awards. So I'm going to go for most impressive team so far this season. You all know what I'm going to say, so I'm going to go to you guys. Go on, Andy, you go first. So, oh, 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 wait, 
cut out briefly. So what was it again? I had a bit of the most impressive team in the Premier League so far. I think in terms of consistency performances, you'd probably have to say Arsenal. Adam? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, full house. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Um, yeah. Let's go for player of the season so far. I've gone for Ivan Tony. Just purely Ooh, because I nice. feel like, I like he's, I know we've spoken about him, but I feel like his levels from last season to this season have risen. Um, it would have been easy to have given it to Ireland personally, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've gone for someone different out of the box. So Ivan Tony. Nice. Andy? I go with Haaland. Um, like when I watch, yeah, when I watch that performance against Manchester United, as painful as it was to watch. You look at some. He, you look at. It's one of those players you look at and go, "Yep, he's on a completely different level to mm-hmm. um, anybody um, yeah. in the league, especially you know, especially when he's in that vein of form." So yeah, I would go Haaland. I'm gonna go really. I'm gonna go Arsenal. I'm gonna say Granite Xhaka deserves a shout because he's been absolutely unbelievable this season. Scored plenty of goals. Rounded off his game. I think Granite Xhaka definitely should be in the conversation at this point. Let's go for the most disappointing team so far this season and start with you Andy in terms of disappointing I mean there's quite been quite a few disappointments hasn't there mm. uh, disappointing I'd probably go with uh, Southampton to be honest because okay. I they, they invested a little bit of quite a little bit over the summer they had a clear, clear blueprint of investing in young up and coming talent mostly for Manchester City uh, but <laughs> yeah. um it's yeah it all seems to have gone very a bit pear-shaped for them um and it feels like they're sleepwalking to a relegation battle which I don't think they would do too well of if they if it did go down so I think they've been the biggest disappointments for me really in terms mm. of performances mm. and where that where I'd expect them to be Nice. Adam, Where who are you going for? Uh, I was going to say Aston Villa, but then I realised West Ham are in that relegation mix. So I probably will go with West Ham just purely because I think the probably expectation is that they should be higher in that league than their current position. And based on the fact that they did get some money to spend like Skamaka, um, yeah, I'm going to go with West Ham. Nice. I'm going to chuck in Wolves. I really didn't expect Wolves to be this bad. I thought Bruno Large had a really good season last season. Wolves had a really good season last season. I'm not sure why it all imploded, but it did. So, yeah, I'm going to say Wolves are the most disappointing. And then what was the last? Was there one more? Oh, which team is going to have the most improved second half of the season? Um, Let's start with you, Adam, this time. Um, I'm going to go with Aston Villa. Uh, I feel Oof, like under nice. Emre, they seem like they are going to turn the uh, tide at the moment. The other team that I was going to tip is Crystal Palace, but I've kind of gone with Villa, I feel. I think that's probably fair. Andy, what do you think? Um, probably not, not original, but I'm actually going to say Manchester United. Um, I think um, with a certain somebody most likely to be not in the building by nice. the time football kicks back off. At the end of in the end of December, and I think um, with the, the way that they're going, I think uh, they've got there's definitely the potential there to really see the best. Because I don't think we see the best from Manchester United yet, and I think that is to come during this season. Um, nice. I'm, so, yeah. Before you mention that certain man, because we do need to. Um, I think the team I expect to have the most improved second half of the season. I'm going to go. It's just come to me, and I'm going to go for it. Brighton, I'm going to say De Zerbi really gets his feet under the table and he really starts pushing them on. I'm going to say, yeah, let's go for Brighton. Um, cool. 
Right, we need to talk about it. The the scorched earth policy <laughs> <laughs> towards his career is really quite impressive. Um, oh, fuck me, I'm so sick of the bloke. Um, Andy, I'm going to give you like two minutes. Adam, you have two minutes and I have two minutes. On yes, Google. we, we can work for that. Andy, let's go. Well, I think this was coming, um, to be fair, uh, towards the end of the transfer window during the summer. He said that he would eventually reveal all about you know, the truth about what's going on at Old Trafford. Um, you know, I think there was maybe a brief thought it was bluffing because a couple of months have gone by and nothing's happened. And, you know, and then suddenly, just as his team's about to get off to a World Cup, he suddenly releases that. And um, he's gone to the, you know the most odious of people in Piers yeah. Morgan. But uh, they do; those two do have um, a bit of um, a connection. They had; they've already done an interview together previously. Of course, they fucking they're both, do. Yeah, they both they do. They're both, they're both raging narcissists who can't, can't <laughs> accept the fact they're not at the top of their game anymore. So they've yeah. definitely got that. They've definitely got that in in common. An unshakable belief, despite you know reality crushing in on them, and <laughs> yeah. um, you know go go to the interview itself. I think there's been an awful lot said about it. Now he's obviously he's taken pot shots at the facilities of the club. Um, you know the standards aren't the same as what he what he was the left. You know the the training ground and the you know the, the stadium hasn't moved on since then. And to be fair, he's right in that, but that's not new. It's not. Mm-hmm. news that's yeah, been in yeah, yeah. that's been in the public domain for months uh well years even um so again that's nothing new i don't really get what he's tried to gain out of saying that and at the end of the yeah. day if the facilities were that bad he could have just not signed but hey 400k in the bag a week probably helps um, i think that does probably help just, i'm gonna just, have to cut you off andy i'm sorry adam with your two minutes on ronaldo i'll, I'll do less you... than that i will just say um Motive is there just to remind people that he is about he is wanting to force a move out of that club. It's quite evident by the comments. I thought it was strange that he mentioned the likes of Ralph Ragnick and his role. Um, but just on top of what Andy's kind of said, it is just kind of yeah, just strange kind of thing to do at this moment in time, given that he's been given a second chance by Eric Ten Hag. The fans certainly seem to be much more behind Eric Ten Hag than they are against Ronaldo, which is just a shame because that's killing his legacy at the club, I feel. Um, I don't know if Andy feels that way, but certainly from an outsider's point of view, it just feels like really sore and sour moments right now. So what's your thoughts? Um, I think it's a, yeah, it's a narcissist who is refusing to accept that time is a thing and that his powers are waning and he could have gone out in a graceful way and just applied himself quietly and got on with the job and tried to bring through these young players who obviously idolize him. You can see that Garnacho just is obsessed with the idea of being in the same team as Ronaldo. He could have been a nice bloke and trained these players and left a legacy at a club and been like, you know, selfless. But obviously that is not who he is. I think it's just... It just, oh, I've always preferred Messi, and this is why. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, he, he's ruining it all. And Andy, your last thoughts: How will he actually retire, or are we going to have to put up with him? I think we have to put up with him, maybe for another eighteen months. It's quite sad because I, it's somebody as, as as a teenager I saw him coming through. Yeah. Really, what, you know, four years younger than him. Um, 
somebody you know I had a lot of respect for coming through the ranks at Manchester United and you know I've always admired him throughout his career but I think he really has damaged his legacy it's all deliberate to get himself out mm-hmm. of the club yeah. um I think he knows there's no way back especially when you slag the manager off which I think was uncalled for he slagged Ray Rooney off which again that was a broad so side classless man it's I think that was just unnecessary yeah. um you know I suppose he slagged Ralph Ragnick off as to um, which I suppose is fair enough. <laughs> to be honest, like maybe, maybe that's one bit where you go. Actually, he's perfectly hundred percent valid on that one. No, no one, no one knew why, why he was in the building. But yeah, we all know why he's done it. He wants, he wants, he, he has absolutely no intention of coming back to the club yeah. after the World Cup in Qatar. What his next move is, I don't know. But I think the latest. We're well that Manchester United released a statement to say that they're looking into it. I think they want to see the full interview, the full interview before yeah, there, yeah, and I yeah. think there'll be there's rumours that they're consulted their legal teams. And I think what will happen in the interview in a few weeks, Hawk Mendes, his agent, uh, will come together with United uh, hierarchy. I think what they'll decide is to go their separate ways. Personally, yeah. that should have been done in the summer, um, but I think it's got to the point of no return now. And I think they just have to, even if we take a financial hit, they've been saying it for weeks, even if yeah. we take a financial hit, just get him out of the building, get that toxic energy out of the club, and then focus on Eric Ten Hag and maybe use those saved wages on somewhere else on the pitch. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. And the weekend where Garnacho, a really exciting young player, has scored a winning goal. Ronaldo's managed to take and that's to what take that's what I really from... hope. And that's what I yeah. really hope the focus would be because I was buzzing when Garnacho had done that. Yeah. Lads come for the academy, Fergie time winner. It's the stuff dreams are made of. And um, with Ronaldo at the building, hopefully in January going forwards, they could be a little bit more focused on bringing those young lads through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it'll do the team massive favours. Mm. Well, thank, uh, well, thanks for the memories, Ronaldo, but we will see you <laughs> later, right? Listeners, viewers, we will see you later as well. Thursday, Friday, we record on Thursday. Friday's show will officially be the first one of our World Cup specials our world cup month we look forward to seeing you there don't forget if you're on youtube now or wherever you are go to our youtube and get our world cup preview videos we've got one for a lot of countries they're all fantastic check them out and get yourself in the world cup mood while you're there don't forget to like and subscribe the videos as always follow us on twitter at italian anglo pod on instagram at anglo italian pod um Follow us on TikTok, follow us on LinkedIn. We're going to be trying to smash it this month. We will be everywhere. Um, and we'll see you there, guys. Anything to say before we go? Nah, pleasure no. as always. Right. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. And we will see you on Friday. Have a good week. See you later. Here's the long. Podcast Network.